1: Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran, And if you're listening to this, you probably are listening to one of a number of the New Books Network uh, podcast centered around religion, because we have a very exciting uh, uh, development to share with you on behalf of a scholar in, in, in Hindu studies and uh, uh, by the name of Dr. Uh, Hilary Rodrigues. He's a full professor at uh, the University of Lethbridge's uh, Department of Religious Studies. And he also happens to have been um, on my doctoral advisory committee when I did my PhD. So if you uh, if you like my work, um, you can thank him, and if you don't, you can blame him as you wish. Hillary, welcome to the program. Thank you, Raj. Great to be here. Um, so you are currently producing materials in the online medium, uh, but. Not for COVID, not just for COVID. Tell us how this journey of you producing all material started.
0: It's actually much uh, uh, more ancient (laughs) than I'd like to admit. (laughs) Back in 2005, actually, I was approached by uh, Charles Prebish, who, uh, together with Damien Keown, one of the earliest uh online journals the journal of buddhist ethics uh, and in those days you know online journals were sort of viewed with a little bit of skepticism anyway at a conversation uh chuck Prebish told me said you know i was bemoaning the fact that there weren't um hinduism texts for me to use in my second year hinduism course that were completely adequate they either covered too much material or too little and so on and he said, "Well, why don't you write one?" And I said, "Well, I've been thinking of doing it." And he said, "Well, we'll publish it, but it's got to be an an ebook, an online." And I said, "What?" I was quite skeptical about you know that. Uh, but as I mulled it over and thought of the possibilities of what an ebook would be, uh, it came to me that this was actually a terrific idea. Uh, now I had much more grandiose visions about what an ebook might have been. Versus what the technology was then capable of doing. But uh, nevertheless, I uh, did write the book and it became part of a series that uh, the Journal of Buddhist, Buddhist Ethics actually puts out. They have their own series of, you know, uh, Buddhism the e book, Hinduism the e book, and so on. Uh, Routledge actually saw the series and uh, asked if they could adopt it as a print version. So this is one of the rather interesting in versions of what is normally the case, where you often have a print version, published version of a text, and then it's transformed into a, an e-version. Now, um, So that book, Hinduism, the e-book, is also published as Introducing Hinduism, and it's undergone a, a second edition, both in its e-format and in the published format, um, back in, in 2016 was the second edition and i'm lined up to do a third edition of of both at some point uh, down the line but having written an ebook and having utilized it in, in teaching i began to see the value of this approach initially when students uh, you know were asked to buy an ebook they were sort of like you know i found that 60% were not that fond of the ebook format back in 2006 <laughs> And they've said, oh, I want a book that I can scribble stuff on and highlight and do this, that and the other. But frankly, over the years, since 2006, it's an entire generation that has grown up in front of an iPad and, you know, a tablet and on the phone and so on. And now people are far more fond of the of the digital medium. So that's kind of what led me to understand the appeal of ebooks. And when my colleague Tom Robinson and I were interested in reworking, now we've written uh, like uh, successful world religions books that we've used. Uh, you know, collectively, both of us have taught world religions for over twenty-five years each. You know, like fifty years of teaching experience doing this. We thought, oh, let's let's try and do something that overcomes some of the limitations of the classic published textbook. And that's what led us to this project, um, understanding our religious world uh, and these digital books that have uh, that we've managed to produce um, over the last year.
1: So you were way ahead of the online curve, <clears throat> and now the world is sort of catching up to you, courtesy of COVID.
0: I'm, yeah, courtesy of COVID, I think it's really made a d- huge difference because, of course, a lot of profs now have to go with uh, online version, even of standard textbooks for their students. I mean, it's quite a headache for students to go to a bookstore and pick up a you know, sanitized book and so on. And quite often, publishers are actually marketing a PDF version of their printed book, if uh, if not mailing out a, a hard copy. But our books are kind of different. They really are totally different in in the way they're designed to be e-books. They aren't just a, you know, a digital version of a printed book. And so their their uh, their layout, the use of color, imagery, uh, and so on,
1: is all designed specifically for a digital medium. Well, the main purpose of us chatting today. I mean, you have there are so many different projects you've worked on that are, are relevant that the main focus today is this um, mega project of yours, uh, World Religions Digital Texts. Um, We will post the URL in the podcast notes, but tell us about this project. Uh, How did it come about, and what are some of um, the offerings that are part of it? So,
0: um, in a way, it stemmed from... Uh, my colleague and I, Tom Robinson, we both taught in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Lethbridge, as you pointed out. Tom has retired, uh, retired a few years ago and has much more free time on his hands. But he's also kind of the mastermind when it comes to uh, the he loves uh, layout, design, he's got a great sense of humor, and he's kind of the tech mind behind this whole thing. So figuring out all the glitches of how to do things, you know, page layers and all this, um, are all part, I mean, I have to really credit Tom for 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 much of that. But one of the things, I mean, perhaps because we've been teaching for, we have been teaching for, you know, 25 years, we found that the cost of books started going up dramatically. And we were always a bit concerned with this because, uh, you know, we think that students uh, deserve to get uh, study materials and resources at a reasonable uh, pricing. But when we wrote a World Religions book, we found that to make it very appealing, we would have to use a lot of imagery and photographs. And ideally, it would be nice if you had color imagery. And once you went to having a lot of, of uh, illustrations with color, the price of books just skyrocketed. So quite honestly, uh, having something that was affordable for students was crucial for us. Of course, things had to be pedagogically sound. And we also, in a way, wanted them to have, um, as I said, visual appeal and so on. but they also had to have pedagogic effectiveness i mean both of us have been very um i mean we we are religious studies geeks and we like you know students to understand and appreciate what religious studies is and a first year religions course is their most students first exposure to the discipline of religious studies. And if it isn't appealing, if the study of religion isn't made appealing, you know, then you kind of lose out on this very uh, wonderful world that you could introduce people to. And so our sense is, what can we do to make this exciting? We've spent much of our teaching careers involved in doing this. And, you know, we don't just want to let it all go. I've traveled a lot, taken a lot of photographs. So has Tom and so on. So we, in some sense, wanted to incorporate some of the materials that we have and and put them out there for, um, for the benefit of others. So the project started that way and uh, we weren't sure how best to proceed. Um, And so what we ended up doing is actually working on individual First, we thought, well, let's let's just, Tom, you work on Christianity. That's his area of primary specialization. And I worked on Hinduism. And we started creating a kind of a so-called chapter-length book on Christianity and on Hinduism. Well, we found that, hmm, you know, what else would people want to know about? So, we, you know, we divided, we tried to have some consistency and in the way the structure was laid out and so we've structured um, each of these these sort of books uh, under history beliefs structure and practices like those are the four major divisions uh, in which we treat these uh, uh, traditions and uh, then we thought, Man, what else could we use? Well, a timeline, you know, so just like there's a whole series of of little innovative uh, uh, design elements that we've incorporated into all of these books to to satisfy that pedagogic effectiveness aspect of the text. Should I keep going on or is there something there, else to focus on?
1: Yeah, no, they're they're super user friendly. Uh, the books, because they present things in a succinct, readable way, Uh, graphs, you know, lists of avatars, timelines. Um, And frankly, (laughs) I think um, it would have been great to have had access to these when I was taking world religions or even teaching world religions. Part of the reason I have you on the podcast is because I didn't know these gems existed. And I'm sure there's a number of people out there who would love to Um, have sound pedagogy in an accessible, appealing, highly affordable manner um, uh, through these books. Now, for those of you listening, there's a number of them. There is um, one on Hinduism, one on Buddhism, uh, one on East Asian religions, one on Judaism, one on Christianity, and one on Islam. Um, Now, these books... Who did you mostly intend them for? Or who do you think would most benefit from these um, e-books? So we think
0: that anybody who's curious about moral religions, any of these religions, that's why we also have them sort of separate individual texts, but we also group them. So we thought, you know, if you're curious and you go, know, ah, I'd like to learn something about Hinduism, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, but if you want to learn it in a way where you know that what you're learning is academically sound, and you want to have it in an appealing fashion, then it's really a text that anybody who's interested and curious could, could access. Professors who want to use a book to teach a world religions course can also utilize them. And that's why we have some grouped versions. We've got a, a, a grouping of the, the Hinduism, Buddhism, and East Asian religions is put together in uh, Eastern religions, uh, um, text, and then Christianity, Judaism, and Islam into the Western religions. And uh, we actually have readers as well. So part of the series, everything is sort of mix and match, if you like, uh, where, because quite often when when I would teach world religions, we would uh, assign a particular text, and then we'd also assign a reader on top of that. And the reader would have you know primary sources so in hinduism there would be some selection from the bhagavad-gita and from the vedas and the upanishads and you know maybe some patanjali's yoga sutra and, and something from ramakrishna and so on well these books incorporate readers into them if somebody wants to buy the reader separately and they're using a different textbook let's say a prophet is using you know one of the many uh, wonderful world religions books that are out there uh they can supplement it by just adding a reader because the cost of these things is so uh i think extraordinarily um uh, reasonably priced uh, each of these individual volumes is 10 canadian dollars and if you buy like the eastern religions you get a three pack you know the three religions for just 20 and so on so even if you added them all up if you bought them all separately and added them they they amount to about 60 canadian dollars or something like that which is far cheaper than the 100, 120 for a text plus an additional amount for a reader. So, our our sense is that 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 keeping that expense down allows people to choose what they would interests them. Allows professors to uh, put together packages that might might work for them in their classroom situation based on the religious traditions they teach. Because quite often you buy a book that costs, you know, you sign a book that's one hundred and twenty dollars. And at the end of the semester, students will go, "Well, we never even used the chapters on, you know, Jainism and such. And well, you just couldn't cover that all. And they feel that they've been cheated out of having to fork out money for an expensive book that, you know, they only used two thirds off or something to that effect. And that, you know, hearing that over and over again was part of what motivated us to to create the project in this way, so that it gives professors maximum flexibility, and uh, it gives readers who are curious, who aren't taking this as a course or something, also flexibility in terms of
1: picking and choosing what they would like to learn. about. So uh, Now, in addition to the these really well laid out books, um, there are a couple other bells and whistles that come with it, aren't there? Uh, there are audio files, for example, that include some of the books, correct?
0: oh absolutely there's tons of there's tons of just a lot of bells and whistles so if someone went to their robin website there's a lot of freebies there are there's a quick facts like there's a single page on all of the major religions that gives you tons of details uh, that you can just instantly access there are some free powerpoint slides that profs and, and students can can download for their own use uh, uh you know, um I'll tell you one thing. When I was teaching, and I like to use PowerPoint a lot, you know, I'd sometimes go on the internet to get something like, oh, the caste system, you know, in Hinduism, and and you'd often find that they were very poorly rendered. There's some error in the transliteration of the terms. There's you know, it's hard to find solid resources that have been put together by people in the know. There are people who are sometimes trying to do something that's effective, but they lack the expertise to make it truly effective. And what we have done is we've created resources, uh, you know, uh, Tom has been scanning, you know, old, um, you know, money and stamps and so on to create, get imagery to use, to, to enrich the PowerPoints. And they, so, uh, A prof who just wants, especially when you're teaching outside of your area of expertise, you know, to go and just grab resources to teach. Like if your specialty is uh, Eastern traditions, you know, and like, what do I find about Judaism? Well, you can get excellent PowerPoints and so on. Uh, There is free stuff. And of course, if a professor adopts the text to teach, then uh, there's much more that they get, again, free of charge in, in terms of the bank of of uh, PowerPoint slides that are available, we, as you were mentioning, we have sound files. So we, you know, quite often you want to hear what a, the a word sounds like. And uh, you and I may know how to how to speak Sanskrit and, and pronounce these words correctly. But of course, if you're not a native speaker, if you haven't studied in India, and you, you don't you know you don't know how it sounds. And of course, so what we got is uh, native speakers or a professor who specializes in the language to recite a key vocabulary uh, that's embedded in the texts, some of them, but there's also a link to the Robin Nest site that has even more vocabulary in it. So uh, the pronunciation of Chinese terms, you know, like and and so on, these terms are there along with terms like, you know, and so, I mean, so we have, uh, a great resource there. And occasionally we've got one or two bits of, uh, you know, the, the, Adan, the call to prayer in Islam or Vedic recitation or something. So while you're reading the book, you can just click on this icon and get um, sound, you know, so these are the sorts of things that I think uh, will be enormously appealing to people in their study of the tradition, um, uh, these traditions.
1: Oh, I- why don't we know about these things? Why? I wish I had learned about these things years ago, honestly. they didn't
0: exist. <laughs> honestly, Tom and I have been teaching for 25 years. We have used virtually every single world religions book that was out there before we started writing our own. And I'm not, to, not saying that, you know, now there are some wonderful books that are written in world religions that are, um, you know, for like a semester-long course and so on. But they still don't do what we've we've done. We honestly sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't think there's anything like this out there, you know, and and we aren't
1: sure. Oh, I assure it's you, there isn't.
0: Right? I'm pretty sure there isn't. Um, uh, so yeah, so, it, you know, you know, I'm, like... I'm bubbling with excitement because I'm of course very excited about the uh, the stuff, you know, and I like to share and get the word out there. So I very re- very much appreciate, you know, you taking the time to to. Uh, get me here talking about it.
1: Well, there's no shortage of, of, I mean, there's no shortage of of, uh, learners, continuing studies learners, you know, autodidacts, undergrads, um, who would totally benefit Mm -hmm. from, from this sort of setup. I mean, basically what you've done is you have taken your wish list of what you would have loved to be there to learn in the other world's religions, and then you have decided to add in everything you possibly can to enhance it through audiovisual media online and then you package it and put it on a website and you're selling it for next to nothing yeah and so um people need to know about this yeah <laughs> i mean it yeah. sums it up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just yeah. gleaning this from looking at it you know yeah. literally no, I once didn't know you this open existed. Open those things up. Once you
0: open the book up and start looking at it, you see how rich it is, right? How how wonderful the products are. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and there's so many uh, there's so many colleagues. I've had colleagues who have said, "Look, you know, a, a number of my friends and colleagues they they teach Western religions, particularly Christianity. Some from when I was at the University of Toronto, etc., cetera, et cetera. And they may have to teach world religions, and you know, they may." they could use a little bit of coaching on the Hinduism stuff, obviously, because it's so out of their area. And to teach intro-Hinduism is, a, you know, um, it's no small feat. And really, had I known that this site existed, I would have saved us both a bunch of time and said, go to that site. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. I, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I've been teaching world religions, like I said, for over 25 years, and, and now we actually team-teach it, I used to teach it all by myself. So I teach Eastern and, and one of my colleagues teaches Western typically. But in the old days when I had to teach Western traditions, I still found that when I was you know, teaching Judaism and Islam and so on, I still found that hmm, I've got much more to learn there. You know, we always feel a little bit insecure outside of our main areas of expertise. And so even in writing these books, you know, we have great colleagues in the department and I mean, I consulted with John Harding, my colleague, when it came to East Aganza's areas, you know, East Asian religions to look over the material there, uh, to double check it. Our, our Islamic uh, specialist looked over the chapter on Islam. We even, Tom even sent the chapter out to the local imam to read to make sure that we got, you know, feedback from from him. So in terms of content, we we want to make sure that the material is is absolutely sound and you know, scholarly, it's tight in terms of its its accuracy as much as we are able to to do in an intro, you know, in an introductory uh, 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 book. And sometimes you have to make generalizations and so on. And, you know, writing introductory text is, is kind of challenging sometimes because you can't go in to find nuances that you'd like to. And yet at the same time, you don't want to be uh, conveying something that's erroneous. So expertise is, is, is crucial in in terms of having uh, a product that is, uh, is sound. And uh, one of the concerns that we have, you know, sometimes a professor will go, or even someone who wants to well, I'll go with a publisher who's well known. So oh, if that book was published by Routledge or Oxford or, you know, SUNY or something, then I know it's sound. And one of the problems with us doing eBooks like this is that we don't have the reputation of a, A well-known publisher, but I can assure you that the content we have written books, you know, in the past on these subjects, so the content is very, very solid. Um, I I just wanted to put that out there because we don't have a cachet of a a well-known publisher behind us.
1: But you also save uh, so much of the cost of going with a well-known publisher, right? It's so much more affordable when it's in your own hands, and and things have changed. I mean, people, I think, are able to. Content is king, right? And there are a variety of developments in the field, um, initiatives um, where there are um, colleagues, experts offering content to the public, and so that that's all shifting. And I think I think more and more people are able to recognize uh, a, a qualified individual sharing content, uh, bypassing. Uh, a publishing apparatus, or or doing it in an innovative way. I mean, that's. I think both of us are in a similar boat in that regard.
0: Yes, that's a very good point. I mean, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really thought about it in that context. But you're quite right that uh, we, the technology, has allowed us now to produce content without having to go through the standard media, and uh, uh, that does keep costs down because. You know, when you think of just how much publicity is required, where publishers have to set up booths in different places, and you know, so on and so forth, there is a lot of their their costs and overhead go into just the machinery of trying to to, to publicize their their works as well. And and this is one way of keeping costs uh, uh, reasonable and making access so uh, so simple and smooth because you know, with a single, single click. You can actually
1: um, get what you want uh, um, just from your home computer or desk. Exactly. I would. I would love your perspective on um, what's happened in the last year, the pandemic, online teaching. I mean, it's it's so funny, right? You were on my advisory committee. We've been in touch, sort of collaborating uh, here and there over the years. Um, uh, for those of you listening, Hillary was also a co-editor of nine nights of the goddess we had caleb simmons on the podcast a while ago to to talk about that so we, we've collaborated in this capacity but it, it, it's so telling that i wasn't aware of your online endeavors and you weren't even aware of mine on oh uh, this podcast it's 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 so uh, that culture is so passe we need to we need to to we need to switch things up a bit and have more more uh, fluidity and conversation across these divides of, um, you know, online publishing versus old school publishing, uh, public academy, and it's isn't it so bizarre that that I would have had you on the podcast a while ago had I known you were doing this, or had you known that I was doing this? I,
0: I, yeah, this is totally new and novel to me. I'm blown away by the number of podcasts you have done introducing people. To new publications in Indian religions, I I'm so happy to be introduced to this this whole podcast series because I find there's so much material there that I want to listen to now. I I feel like what, what where where have I been <laughs> Well, I've been busy writing
1: <laughs> these books? Among that, that's how I feel about these world religions. To us, <laughs> it's so bizarre, It's so yeah. so strange. Um, um, but but times have changed, and I'd love your perspective in that. We, we are similar in that we both produce online content. We have very different career paths in that you're, you know, a, a, a well-established um, professor in your field. I'm doing this sort of um, innovative cowboy thing, but it seems to be working for me, so I'm not going to complain. But I, I'd love your perspective on um, the pandemic and on an education at the academy. And, and, and um, what do you feel? I mean, do you, without putting words into your mouth, what do you feel about the future of, of the overlap between online education and the academy?
0: Well, I think one of the things that the pandemic has done is it, by forcing us to retreat to our you know private abodes and connect with each other, it has highlighted um, the benefit of these technologies. I mean, I, my 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 partner who shall go unnamed as always was always highly critical of people staring at screens and texting each other and so on and so forth you know the young generation and i have always been partial to this a little bit you know i'm a gamer and i do like i i try to embrace uh the technologies of the young eh, because i'm a bit young at heart in some sense i like to think you know but Uh, I always feel that, oh, you know, when the telephone was invented, people were anti-phone and all the rest of it. Thank goodness for the fact that people have social media and so on, were able to connect with each other during the pandemic. So what it has done is I think for disbelievers of this technology, the pandemic has forced them to recognize the value of being connected uh, in these different fashions. And quite often um, the older generation, those of us who weren't who didn't fully embrace it and 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 do things. And I don't. I'm not one of these people who knows, you know, how to use Snapchat and all this sort of stuff. I mean, uh, nevertheless, what I do know is that there is an enormous value in being able to connect digitally because I can connect with someone halfway around the world. I can give a lecture, you know, partly doing a Zoom uh, presentation with voiceover, PowerPoints, and so on. They're not quite the same. I mean, I love strolling around in the classroom and staring my students right in the eyes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's part of the pleasure I get from the reactions on their faces when we're face to face. And they write positively in response to that, that presence. And that's taken away by teaching online. But the benefit of having a recorded session is that they can go back and listen to the lecture. Again and again, it's not you know it's not a one-off, and I mean these are the benefits. So so all these things are two-edged swords. They force us in some sense to recognize the limitations and the strengths of of old like old technologies, old old ways of approaching things, and have forced us into reconsidering uh, new approaches. And I'm not sure where we will go when all of this. You know, is behind us, but I'm absolutely sure that some of the benefits of, of uh, this kind of uh, technology-enhanced means of communicating, interacting with each other, and uh, sharing information will continue because they've proved themselves to be so effective. So, uh, uh, for me, yeah. kudos to those of you who do this, and I just wish I was uh, uh, had greater expertise, and, and you know. I'm, I'm, much more likely to to be much more involved in uh, accessing information uh, in this form. For one so thing, I've got a ton of podcasts to listen to.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, you have a hundred episodes to catch up on. So <laughs> get going there. No, yeah. it's it's obviously more of a buffet than the prefix where you just you know you just listen to snippets of the or the podcast that interests you based on the book titles and all that. Um, yeah, it's so 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 interesting. I um, myself was not. At all sold on online education, um, an old-fashioned face-to-face handshake kind of guy. My spidey sense went off in 2017. I said, you know what? I have to really venture down this road. And I was surprised at the level of impact and transformation and and learning that could happen online. And um, I was sort of moonlighting as an online educator. And then then the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden... um, (laughs) <laughs> this is where it's at right and so I've recently um, founded this online school and one of the fulfilling pieces of it it's called the school of Indian wisdom by the way one of the fulfilling uh, super fulfilling pieces of it is um, uh, currently I'm teaching a class there are about so I think 28 ish in the class and in those 28 I mean there's probably a you know half a dozen different countries at least you know it's it's the people like and and we're thinking to ourselves how and how else would we have found each other, right?
0: Yes. And that's true. I mean, that's so remarkable, right? To be able to deliver a course to people all around the world, and uh, yeah, uh, technology allows us to do that. I mean, and we just haven't we haven't fully. Uh, embraced its possibilities. It's like when television first came out. You know, uh, they weren't doing PBS; they were doing silly comedy shows and you know, uh, soap operas. And so, not that they are necessarily silly, but you know, I mean, <laughs> but the but the full range of the educational uh, aspects of television took a while to for people to clue in to to the benefits. And I think that's that's uh, sadly also been the case with the with the internet. You know, and uh, online teaching and. Mm on
1: is there anything else about uh the um world religions project or your online projects that you hope we touch on
0: um well i accept that in, i don't i don't think so we've got more stuff planned we'd like to write chapters on jainism Sikhism, and so on so if this is successful and people like this we can start producing more products to fulfill people's uh, desires and needs um, and so, yeah. so and
1: how? Sorry, go on. You no, know, that's all. I mean, uh, uh, so on which platforms? How do people access the products and or share feedback about them with you?
0: So, if you go to, uh, so professors can go to the Robin Nest uh, org website and can ask for review copies of. Uh, uh, books, which they can get free of charge to examine and uh, decide if they want to use them or not. Uh, even if they don't, they can download some, like a lot of those freebies uh, for, their, for their use. Um, if you want to purchase books, we have them in um, just uh, simple links that you can click onto that can allow you to buy them as Apple Books or uh, Google Play. Or on on Kindle, and uh, it's actually been quite a challenge for for Tom to learn these different uh, systems because each one has its own proprietary method of doing things, and the layout of our books are so-called fixed format; they aren't flowable text. So there there have been some challenges doing it, but that means that all the three main venues and um, some 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 people have already been using them, and so we know that they've been working quite. Uh, uh, effectively uh, and you can you know, it's oh yeah the portability of this stuff is great right that's the other thing is that you can actually view these things on your phone if you if if you like or on a on a on a tablet and so you can walk around instead of hunking, you know walking around a massive uh, world religions book you know you can access this so easily online let's see, there's a portability of the whole system is wonderful too
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I really applaud uh, Tom for embracing the learning curve with technology and why that stands out to me is <laughs> I, it's something that I have um, that I've struggled with, but uh, so far successfully, so in the last uh, few years, in terms of learning various platforms, learning all kinds of uh, the ins and outs of online marketing, I literally created an Instagram account last week. A twitter account last you know lifetimes of intellectual and spiritual training My i in this life is online medium this is what i need to learn <laughs> so it's it's not easy for those who didn't grow up with it and or who are wired differently so but nevertheless it's so worth the payoff because that's how we reach the people who we need to reach yeah fully agree i fully agree um so, so I think that covers all the points we wanted to make today about the publications. Uh, the links will be in the podcast notes. Um, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today.
0: It's my pleasure, Raj. Thank you so much for having me and uh, allowing me to talk about these products that I'm so excited about.
1: Thank you. Fantastic. So for those of you listening, we've been speaking with uh, Dr. Hilary Rodericks, who's a professor in the Department of Religious Studies at um, University of Lethbridge. uh, That's in Alberta, Canada. Um, He's the author of a number of fascinating books, including one on the Hindu Goddess that was uh, just completely uh, formative for my trajectory. Um, uh, But today we're speaking about his online industry Uh, so check out his world religions textbooks among others Uh, until next time stay safe stay sane keep listening keep reading and keep contemplating online education take care